You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ Family of Churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. Welcome, everyone. It's great to be together this Easter morning on Resurrection Sunday. The title of the message today is The Door of Life, and we're going to get to hear some sharing. We're going to get to see some uh, new media that our Screenland ministry put together. But I want us to read this verse from John chapter 10, verse 9. It says, I am the door. If anyone enters in by me, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The blood of Jesus opens a door of life to us all. Each one of us has a unique story where God is leading you through a door to a new life of resurrection. And each of us will be given a chance to walk through. We're going to begin today hearing about how a dear brother was presented this door of life and walked through. Let's welcome Oscar Rodriguez at this time. What an amazing story. God opened the door of Oscar's life and he walked on through. It's incredible. And I love hearing stories like that. It's very impacting. It shows uh, how God is working uh, in ways we can never imagine. You know, I love uh, Easter morning. It's so inspiring. I loved hearing little Kalia uh, singing earlier. And I loved um, really spending time together with my family. Our hope for you today is that you will understand that the blood of Jesus and the miracle of the resurrection can give you a brand new life. You know, the story of Jesus being the door of life really goes back to the book of Exodus. And there's a lot of metaphor in the story of Israel under the captivity of Egypt. And we read about the tenth and final plague of God in Exodus chapter 12. And you can turn there at this time. And the final plague is where God is going to judge Egypt for their idolatry. And Egypt is really a metaphor for all of humanity. So he's judging all of us. And God says he's going to send a plague, and we can certainly relate to that. He's sending the death angel to kill the firstborn son of every household in Egypt. But he had a plan to save the Israelites. Let's read together in Exodus chapter 12. Verse 1 says, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect. And you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month, when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then... They are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat 
the lambs. That same night, they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or boiled in water, but roast it over a fire with the head, legs, and internal organs. Do not leave any of it till morning. If some is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it. With your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals. And I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. And we read in verse 13, The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. I want to skip on down to verse 20 as he's sharing what they're going to do. And in fact, they obey and they do follow it. Verse 20, eat nothing made without yeast or made with yeast rather. Wherever you live, you must eat unleavened bread. Then Moses summoned all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go at once and select the animals for your families and slaughter the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop, dip it into the blood in the basin and put some of the blood on the top and both sides of the door frame. None of you shall go out of the door of your house until morning. When the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, he will see the blood on the top and sides of the door frame and will pass over that doorway and he will not permit the destroyer to enter your houses and strike you down. The final judgment on Egypt was the plague of the firstborn. And see, God was judging humanity for its idolatry. Uh, remember that the Egyptian pharaoh, when Moses was born, had issued an edict that all sons born to Israelite women should be thrown into the Nile. He had murdered these children. But Moses was saved through faith. You know, we're really no better than the Egyptians. And we are all under judgment for sin. We've all messed up. We're really not better. The Israelites aren't. I'm not. Oscar is not better. None of us are. But God gives each of us a door of life. God's plan was that the blood of a lamb would substitute for the life of the faithful. The Israelites were to slaughter a perfect lamb and smear the blood on the door frames of their houses and the plague would not enter. I don't know about you, but I, I don't want the virus to enter into our, our house. Just yesterday, a, a package came and um, we've been getting some Amazon packages and I, I thought there's no way the virus can get in our house if... Unless it's on a package, so I'm wiping it down with my, my Clorox wipes. You know, the death angel cannot get into the house with the blood of the lamb across the doorframe. And see, this is God's plan to change lives. He had devised a way where he could be both just and merciful at the same time. We might call it salvation 
through substitution. That's the meaning. God spares Israel's sons. Not because they are better than Egypt. God's going to spare us not because we're better, but because a spotless lamb dies in their place and its blood covers the door. The question today on this day of new life and resurrection, I ask you, is the blood of Jesus on the doorframe of your life? We have an illustration from our Screenland ministry that I think helps the message hit home. Let's watch. Thomas, why are you calling me? Well, hello to you too. What are you doing? I'm working on something. Like, I've got church in ten minutes. I don't want to be late. How are you going to be late? We don't have to go anywhere. That's just sad. Thomas, we promised we would give each other space. Look, I didn't call to fight, Willow, okay? I don't want to get in your space. Look, I'm on the road and I need a favor. On the road? You're supposed to be sheltered at home, not in your car. You should already be familiar with the concept of social distancing. It's almost like emotional distancing, but with everyone, not just your wife. Look, I'll make you a deal. I give you four pristine rolls of super soft TP if you just shut up and listen. Look, I need you to send me the link. What link? You know, the, the link. The link to church. What are you smirking at? Sorry, it's just weird to hear you say that word. What, Link? church. Don't get used to it. It's a one-time thing. And what would your family say? Like, I don't care. I'm a home man, and it's Sunday. Like, everybody does church on Sunday, right? So you're going to send me the link so I can do the church thing with you guys or what? Don't you work on Sundays? No, they said we're non-essential. We shut down Friday. Thomas, I'm sorry. It's no big deal. We'll be up and running in no time. Uh, hey, but I'm lucky. They fired half the team. Did they let go of your work wife, or is she still part of the team? Okay, I'm hanging up now. Sorry. Old habits. Look, she quit a week ago. Really? Have you spoken to her? Look, I said it was over. As an over. Right. Why do you always think I'm lying? Your lips move. Okay, that's it. Look, I'm out of here. I'm sorry. I'm still a little raw. Change of subject. Did Paul invite you? Yeah, he did. Almost a week after you left. I told him if he asked me one more time, I was going to punch him in the throat. Then I remembered he was into the MMA stuff. It's not a good idea. So he told you I started coming back to church? He might have mentioned it. And then all this pandemic stuff started going down. Are you checking up on me? Do you need checking up on? I'm fine. No, actually, I'm better than fine. I'm better than I have been in a long, long time. Well, good for you. Thomas. It never crossed your mind to see if I was dead or alive. Thomas. You know what? Look, forget I called. You want a space? Look, here you go. This is me giving you space. Thomas, just to figure things out. Just send me the link. 
get it from Paul. I did. I deleted it. Then I emptied the trash. I already sent it. You're welcome. I've got to go finish this project. Yeah, go. You know, run like you always do. You know, run back to your crazy family and your happy little hallelujah Christian friends. Like, just forget all about me. I gave up God for you. I left my family and my friends. I walked away from a relationship with Jesus to marry you, to be your wife. I became exactly like you, loved the things that you loved, hated what you hated, indulged in whatever sickness or substance was your whim of the week, while every day my heart grew harder. I hated you, Thomas. And I hated myself even more for being so easily pushed and pulled and manipulated. I ate ridicule with humiliation on top for breakfast every day. And my tears were like bricks building this wall of shame around me. And you know what the worst part is? I never once thought to say to you, stop. Not until it was too late for both of us. Like you chose God over me. No. No, I didn't. But I do now. See, that was the problem. We chose everything but God. So I'm choosing him now. For me. Finally. And for you. Because for everything that I had and everything that I lost, I want to be his again. Can you forgive me? I don't know. Exactly. The pull away. Social distancing. I get it. I got drunk and almost beat a guy to death. He's okay. I mean, it, it was last month after work. Right after they started shutting everything down. But we're all getting a little anxious and we went out for a little recreation before they closed up the bars. I was with some co-workers at my spot and one of them started making a wisecrack I didn't appreciate. Things escalated. We fought. They called the police. I called Paul. He came and bailed me out. I knew he would. Jesus dude, right? Figured he used the opportunity to dangle church in front of me and all I had to do was say, yeah, sure, and then not show. He'd get the message eventually. But the dude was stubborn. He kept reading me scripture. It was the same one you tried to get me to read when you were getting to the church then before I stopped you. And I thanked him and told him I'd pay him back the bell money. As soon as he left, I was going to go on the hunt. I was going to finish what I started. But Paul wouldn't leave. He talked me down. Thomas, that's huge. Yeah, it wasn't a conversation I had in mind, but it was what I needed. He helped me to say I have some big issues with anger. With my fist. With women. With you. You ever been so mixed up and just don't know what to think anymore? One day, 
I was trying to decide if I should drown my sorrows in vodka or drown myself in the bathtub. So, after five years of denying Jesus, I prayed. Yeah? And so did things just magically work out for you? No. But a few days later, a friend of mine from church called me. An old friend. She said that I had been on her heart, on her mind. So she took a chance and called. Coincidence? I think not. Jury's still out for me. That's okay. It took a lot for you to call today. You have no idea. I figured... I don't know how to say I'm sorry and mean it. Well, I figured out that my decision to walk away from Jesus was exactly that. My decision. I can't hold you responsible for the choices I made. Look, it's almost time to go online, and I don't want to miss anything. It was great talking to you. Great seeing you. Well, wait. I'm open to take a peek into this church thing a little. Look, I'm not leaping in all fours. I'm not drinking a Kool-Aid. I'm not ready to... I'm not ready to declare nothing but ignorance to this Jesus stuff. If I can make sense of it or learn something, we'll see. And just in case you're wondering, I'm not using this to try to lure you back. It wouldn't work anyways. Kick a man when he's down. Seriously, I think maybe you should do your thing there and I'll do mine here and maybe we can meet in the middle. Sounds good. Well, take our time, figure it out. Baby steps. I think it's time for some grown-up steps. Hey, before you go, show me your project. Seriously? Yeah, seriously. Looks like blood. I don't get it. They'll explain it in the service. Maybe you and Paul can talk about it. Or you and I can talk about it, if you'd like. I like the sound of that. Stay healthy, Willow. I'll see you in Cyber Church. Is the blood of Jesus on the doorframe of your life? I appreciate their efforts to make that a, a relevant um, struggle that we go through. The plague will not enter when the blood is on your doorframe. You will be saved and you will have a new life. My hope is, as Willow has walked through the door, that Thomas, as well, will take that step. You know, the metaphors of the virus are... Quite remarkable in this day and age. Of course, here we are at Easter, which is connected to the Passover and this idea of the death angel and the plague uh, uh, being protected from the Israelites' houses can really hit home for us. Certainly, the idea of the COVID virus 
uh, as a metaphor for sin makes some sense. Uh, certainly, the virus can result in death, just as sin, if it's not atoned for, if it's not dealt with through repentance, can end up in death. Spiritual death results in great pain in our life. Just as we don't want the virus to enter in, we want to get the sin out as well. You know, ultimately what we find is that the blood of Jesus is the cure. The blood of Jesus solves the problem. It's the vaccine. And I know, like all of you, I'd like to see the vaccine uh, be invented and approved and disseminated out to the public already. But the ultimate cure, the blood of Jesus, has been approved. And it is available for every one of us. When the blood of Jesus is on the doorframe of our life, Jesus says, eternal life is your future. You know, like the virus, sin spreads from person to person, right? That's why we have to have the masks on and uh, we have to keep our social distancing. In the same way, sin can spread from person to person. But those who have been cured of the virus, in the same way, their antibodies are being asked right now to be used to possibly prevent future people from getting the virus. They're, they're part of the cure. And when we have the blood of Jesus on our life, it's, it's the cure. And so we're being asked to give away that cure. If you do have the blood of Jesus on the doorframe of your life, you've been given a gift. And it's a gift you aren't to keep to yourself. It's a gift God wants us to give away. In Revelation 12, verse 11, we read, But they have conquered Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they did not cling to life even in the face of death. You know, the life of the unblemished Lamb, Jesus, substitutes for blemished human life. Sin and death are transferred to the Lamb. Purity and life are transferred to those who receive the benefits of the sacrifice. The Israelites experienced this literally. And today, God wants us to experience it literally, but in a spiritual form. That's what he's talking about. Sin and death are transferred to the Lamb, but new life is transferred to us. How do we experience that? How do we really connect with it? God's wanting to change your spiritual destiny. And how do you know? How do you get it so that the blood of the, the lamb is on the doorframe of your life? Certainly it's a metaphor today for what, what our lives look like. And as we read the text and as we had studied the text and looked at it in Exodus chapter 12, we saw part of the Passover plan was that they were to take the lamb and they were to roast it and eat the entire lamb. They said, leave none of it till morning. They were to completely consume the lamb. And that's really leading us to understand having that, that blood on the door from our life means that you are consumed with Jesus. In John 6, Jesus himself says, just, verse 57, just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. We gotta feed on the lamb. We gotta feed on Jesus. We gotta be consumed with Jesus. You know, a lot of people are consumed with him. I'm so excited to see it. Um, so grateful to work with so many people in the ministry here. 
Um, th- to see so many incredible preachers and teachers and servants and our fellowship worldwide and so many great things are going on. And in particular, uh, so inspired by my wife, Carrie, just uh, a couple days ago, she's like, hey, the women are fired up. They want to start a video podcast to meet women's needs. Uh, they don't want their Women's Day, which they couldn't have uh, just uh, several weeks ago. They don't want it to go to waste. They want soul awakening wellness to resonate with women all over the West Side and really all over the world. It's amazing. Uh, if we'll preach, if we'll teach, if we'll pass on the, the cure, it can now be broadcast all over the world. What a blessing. What a privilege. And I'm inspired by our women's ministry. They're consumed with Jesus. He's calling us. If you want that blood, he's asking you to consume the whole thing. You know, the second thing to evaluate whether the blood is in your life is you have to live an unleavened life, right? He said, you know, the festival of unleavened bread, the idea was, he said, eat the lamb, have your, your, uh, uh, have your, your, your clothes tucked into your belt right there and be ready to go. Ready? He said, be ready to go. And because they were leaving so quickly, because they're on an adventure, you know, being with God, serving God, walking with God is an adventure. And he knew he was going to free them from the captivity and send them on a great adventure. And so he had said, hey, get ready. Have your cloak tucked in and you are ready to go. And when you leave, you're, you're going to leave so fast, you're not going to be able to put the yeast in the bread. So, you know, you're going to eat unleavened bread. And that, it's a reminder to each of us uh, of what God did. But it's also, there's some symbolism there in the idea of yeast. Get the yeast out. You're going to eat unleavened bread. And the idea of that is that yeast is really a metaphor for sin. Jesus had talked about this several times, right? He had said, uh, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, which is hypocrisy. And I know in, in, in church, uh, all of us can attest that hypocrisy, none of us want that. We don't want to be fake. Uh, we got to have a life that's, that's pure, that's real. Um, we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 and 8. It says, get rid of the old yeast so that you may be a new unleavened batch as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival, the festival of unleavened bread, of, of a new life without the sin in our life. Not with the old bread leavened with malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I want to live this life. I'm so grateful for Oscar. He shared his life. Um, I get a privilege of spending time each week with Oscar. And we have a, a mentoring relationship. And I spend time uh, training and raising him up. He helps uh, coordinate our Screenland Ministries and help uh, part of the production of, of our little skit we did. And I'm really grateful for him. We want to have a life without yeast. We want to have an unleavened life, a life of purity and sincerity. And we talk about things. He works as a professional trainer. Um, we talk about, you know, what are the things we're looking at? These days, we can be looking at the wrong thing too often. We can see images we shouldn't see. If you're looking at TV too often, uh, you, you got to be careful. You want to get the get the yeast out. You want an unleavened life. And that's that's the life of the blood of the lamb on the doorframe of your life. It's not perfection, but it's total commitment to being what God's calling us to be. And it's trusting that that blood is what we need to become what he asks us to be. 
and to cleanse us and give us a new start and to give us a resurrected life every day. I appreciate him being open. Oscar's open about pride. He's open about uh, things he's going through. And we both share. We talk about it because we want our lives to be pure and holy because of the blood of the Lamb. And I want to close out as we're about to take communion this Easter morning. I want you to be evaluating this question. Is the blood of Jesus on the doorframe of your life? It can be. God's calling you to consume Jesus. God's calling you. He's calling every one of us to live an unleavened life. There's hope. God has perfect justice and perfect mercy. There's a tension that he creates. He, we live in this tension because we live in the time of the resurrection of Jesus. He hasn't returned back yet, but he's shown us that death will not have the final say. And we read in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18, For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times. These are the last times. For your sake, He was revealed. Through Him, you believe in God, who raised Him from the dead and glorified Him. And so your faith and hope are in God. I pray that the blood of Jesus will be and always be on the door frames of your life. Let's go to God in prayer right now as we thank Him for His body and blood given to us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much. We're so inspired at this time. We, we see how you have been working uh, across generations and ages. And you can see the whole globe right now. And Father, you have given us the cure to the ultimate virus of sin. You've given us Jesus, the blood of Jesus. And uh, Lord, we're so inspired by the resurrection, knowing that uh, we're not only saved from death, we're given life that's beyond anything we could imagine. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Uh, thank you for, for his body, his perfect body. Help us to live lives that honor you in every way. And we thank you for this bread, for this juice that we're taking. And we thank you for Easter morning, the day of resurrection. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.